You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and the artist that I've got coming up for your listening pleasure. The interview subject is Dante Peluso. He's from Melbourne-based, gosh I'll at least get it right on the introduction there given that I referred to him as a Perth-based artist through the conversation, but Dante is Melbourne through and through. His outfit is called IV Dante. The reason for the conversation is to talk up the two singles that he has in market. They're both new tracks for 2019. The first one is called Purple, but it actually goes by the name of Hash 80080, which is the colour code for Purple, and Napping in Nightclubs, which I really like, by the way, and we do talk about why I like it through the conversation. So here he is, Dante Peluso. Hi, mate. It's Andy McKay-Smith calling for our chat. How are you going? Good, yourself? Good, mate. Uh, what's the day held for you up to this point? I've uh, been pretty much working all day. Um, just got out of my last guitar lesson um, like 15 seconds ago, so <laughs> it's nice. it good timing. Yeah. Is that what you do for a day job? You teach guitar? Um, I guess it's like just part-time stuff. So during the days, I work in an office just at a building company, and then the Arvo is like 4 till 7, I teach. So I choose the Wednesday, Thursdays, um, teaching guitar, and then couple of days a week I'm just in the office so good on you okay right yeah. yeah yeah you're just teaching kids or all types uh just all ages yeah so last lesson was um uh I think she's eight or nine and then lesson before that I had a guy like in his 50s so the ages kind of yeah range from yeah little kids to adults so it's pretty cool it's a good um range Mm, sweet. Is that one of those jobs that you, you kind of you selected, so to speak? In other words, it was an intended thing, or did you just sort of fall into it because you're a good guitarist? Um, I th- I didn't really want to do teaching. Like initially, I could kind of just got thrown into it because I was friends with the guys at um, music store, and one day they couldn't make one of the lessons. Um. This is when they only really had like one student, so they were just starting off. Hmm. And they couldn't make one of the lessons, and um, they just called me up and said, "Can you?" I think I was just in the shop or something, and they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you have to do this lesson." And hmm. so I just kind of got thrown into it, and then they're like, "Okay, you're the full-time teacher now." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> all right, fair enough." And then um, yeah, kind of went from there, and then lots of like sixteen students over three days now which is cool cool um so yeah what's the what's the one thing you keep telling students that you notice that all students keep doing oh not practicing enough yeah it's a big one that one i think i think that's just the main thing just playing oh, guitar and i think uh listening to music is the main thing um a lot of people don't seem to do as much like some students do but um i feel like a large majority um yeah don't regularly listen to music or it's just casually on the radio well that's crazy um, yeah you'd think that they'd be right so, into it. yeah it's it's diff- definitely different times um and i think the reasons why people learn guitar now might be slightly different to um why people learn guitar even i guess when i started learning like over 10 years ago yeah. um 
but yeah, it's it's strange. But hopefully, the, these kids can I kind of show them some stuff and I show them some of the older bands, and they get inspired yeah, by it all. Exactly. I remember what 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 reasons do people give you for picking up the guitar these days? Because you know, when I was a kid, when I was learning guitar. And bass, it was to be like, you know, I was a ba- I'm a bassist, right? So it was to be like uh, Billy Gould from Faith No More. Like, I had my icons. But, of course, yeah. rock music and heavy metal is basically an underground genre these days. I mean, the fans love it. The media yeah. hates it. So when you're talking kids sort of at the ages that you're mentoring, do they cite an example of what and who got them into playing the guitar? Or is it just this looks interesting and it's a bit of a romantic ideal? Oh, I would love to say that a lot of them have an inspiration, but I feel like a majority of them is, I don't know whether their parents wanted them to do it or it's just kind of seemed like a cool idea. But yeah, I don't, a lot of them just kind of thought it was something cool to do, I think. Because it's yeah. always the first question I ask when they come in, like, well, why do you want to learn guitar? Um, and a lot of them just, I guess they're not really sure. Which is there's nothing wrong with that, um, but it, it makes it a bit more trickier when they don't have a certain in, in, initial inspiration, um, hmm. stuff like that. But there are some kids like I've got one, I think he's six or seven, and he's his family's from England, and so, so they're all into like his parents are into the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So he's and we've got like pictures of the Beatles on the walls. Um, at the shop and the music school here, so yeah. I kind of like recognize them, and um, which is pretty cool. So when it's a good surprise, especially when little kids come in and they know a lot of the old stuff. But yeah, mostly um, I think it's just a cool thing to begin with. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting point that one about the Beatles and these classic rock bands. I remember when I first learnt bass. Knowing that I loved heavy metal, hard rock, whatever you wanted to call it back then, grunge, you know, funk metal, the teacher actually yeah. said, "Yep, fair enough." But what we're actually going to teach you is all of these Beatles and Eagles songs. So I could, at the time when I was fourteen and fifteen, I could play play half of the greatest hits of both the Beatles and the yeah. Eagles. And I've got to tell you, at the time, I hated it. But as I've gotten older, the melodic influence in Paul McCartney's playing and whoever was uh, playing bass for the Eagles, yeah, influenced yeah, me the- a lot. Yeah, I, do, I think there's some of the greatest songs written, really. Like, hmm. there's just nothing like that. And I guess earlier when I um, started playing guitar, I, I think I kind of skipped over the Beatles a bit. Um, not because, I don't know, I don't really think there's a reason, but it was more, I was just into a bit more, like, punk rock or like even rockabilly stuff and yeah. recently I jumped um, I got uh, into the Beatles and been going through the back catalogue and finding some of the more obscure stuff and just really appreciating the like it's just songwriting um, at its core like when they had all the like what four track r- recorders or stuff like that and how they made like these iconic songs with like so little um, hmm. yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, the Beatles are just one of the greats. They pretty much wrote the book, didn't they, for all modern pop, whether it's rock, heavy metal, like, you know, all modern music almost comes from, okay, I, I get that it comes from the blues, so no disagreement from me about that, I understand that. But in terms of yeah. beating it into form and turning it into a three-minute pop song, 
and then even taking it further, like what they did on Revolver and uh, the White Album, the experimentation, the like. The Beatles practically wrote the book, didn't they? I wouldn't even say the Stones did, even though I personally prefer the Stones. I'd say that having gone back and reviewed the history, studied it, there was nobody before the Beatles. There was nobody to copy. They just were influenced yeah. by these Delta Blues guys, as, as the Stones were too. But the Beatles just have – you just feel like every time you listen to a Beatles song, you think you couldn't improve that. It's like every song yeah. they ever wrote is almost a perfect yeah. song unto itself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, there's so many songs as well I realised I didn't know the Beatles wrote because so many people yeah. covered, um, <laughs> That's so covered true. them. And just, yeah. yeah, just looking into the history and how they recorded things and realising, oh, the Beatles wrote that. And like even stuff like Health of Skelter, almost like the first metal song, like arguably... It's like, definitely case four, it being the first metal song, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, like, it's like a complete left field, I guess, from um, like the Beatles' early stuff. And yeah, it's scary how how much influence they had on just music in general. And it, mm. it's, yeah, it's really, I guess, inspiring in a way how um, four guys could have that much, like, that big of an impact on just music, so... Yeah, it's weird, yeah. isn't it? It's weird when you think about it that that they're the gateway for all modern music, but it is, to your point, it's four working-class guys that met each other under fairly unassuming circumstances, actually. I, um, <laughs> was it Pete Best, the original drummer, died? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I believe. Oh, died, died. Was it died? What was it? There? He was in the news recently. I should check that. But oh, <laughs> do you? I don't, oh, gee, I, I don't know. He died. It was one of the two. It was one oh, of the two. God. I'm going to Google it because I don't like saying these yeah. things in the podcast unless I'm right. Um, he was in the news recently. We know that. I just, you know, um, uh, I'm just looking here at Google, mate. I can't see anything. Maybe he's still alive. I shouldn't say that he's dead. Okay, hopefully he is. <laughs> he's definitely not dead. Okay, because okay, I've just cool. checked it now. So, but I noticed it coming through on Twitter feeds that they were talking about him. And uh, I thought, what are they talking about? And it's usually with people like that that they make some remark about his contribution to music because they've passed on. But it, it wasn't that. But you know what I'm talking about. He was in the news recently yeah. or something. But it's uh, it's interesting that even somebody who had, all things considered, a very minor part in such a tremendous legacy is a, still a giant of the music industry, if you like. Someone like yeah. Pete Best. If you say Pete Best, I know everybody thinks of the, the Northern Ireland um Manchester United football player, but really, as a musician, he's the one that I think about. Yeah, I think, um, I guess it's almost, it's always a story like the guy that left the Beatles or whatever happened there that um, it, they obviously became one of the well, the one of the biggest bands of all time. Mm. But to him, for him to still have a, I guess, a name in the industry amongst musicians is. Uh, a really cool thing, and yeah, just the mm. small part that he played obviously still had a big impact. I think kind of everyone involved in um, the whole Beatles thing has impacted the had some impact in the music industry. Yeah, there was a really good movie that came out about twenty five years ago called Backbeat, which was about Stuart Sutcliffe. You know, the famous Beatle who left. He didn't get kicked out. He left, and then I think he ended up doing something with John afterwards. I'm casting my memory is he, back here. Is he a bass player or? I think he was the guitarist, rhythm guitarist, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, God, I'd have to check it. But, yeah, but the point being is he, he died, like, not long after that. But, I mean, okay. he was big enough 
himself to even have a movie about him effectively. I mean, he was yeah. the, the reason for the movie, so the, the point's proven again. Yeah, that, it's actually, that's actually crazy. <laughs> they've had, yeah, not even, I guess, music, like, that much. Like, they've had a huge influence on music, but not only that, but, like, film as well. Like, the recent film that came out yesterday, um, that movie, yeah, that, that I thought that was a great film, and hopefully it's kind of brought back a lot of the Beatles stuff. Yeah, no, um, you're, you're on point. Modern he, modern day. he was the... Um original bass player actually i thought he was the guitarist but there you go so he was the original bassist so you're on point with that one yeah no it's a fascinating story and it's a story that will be told for generations about the beatles and that more and more people will come out of the woodwork as having something legitimately to contribute to that legacy too i think you know not just your george martins and your people that were in the spotlight at the time but there's going to be people like for example when I was in Staten Island in New York, I was in the uh, shop Mandolin Brothers where Paul gets his bases repaired. Okay, which oh, that's Mandolin cool. yeah. Brothers, yeah, and I, I can't remember, the story's evolved over the years, I can't remember whether the base was just in, as in the famous Hofner base, was just in the workshop for repairs, or whether it was meaning it had been and gone, or whether it was still there. Um, you know, this is the thing about New York. You know what New York's like. You walk around and you're, yeah. you're in Guitar Center and you're talking to a fellow and after half an hour he mentions casually that he used to be Billy Idol's bass player for all of those great yeah. albums. And you're like, and you're working Stuff in... Like that. Yeah, it happens in places like New York, doesn't it? You yeah. Know, you're in one of the industry centers of industry. And these are the sort of things that happen. But yeah, I always remember that being in Mandolin Brothers and buying a, a guitar, a Martin, and uh, the owner, I can't remember his name now, God bless his soul, he's passed on, but he mentioned... Just casually, didn't mention to brag, but Vernon Reed was in the shop, I think, when I was in there from Living Colour, and I'm a massive Living Colour fan, so of course I was terrified of talking to him. Yeah. I've, en- I've ended up talking to him since for the podcast series, and we joked about that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but um, even just, you know, being in the same building that Paul McCartney's base used to be, or was potentially still in, um, was a real thrill, man. I got to tell you, you sort of feel like as though you're just closer to God a little bit. I can't, you know, you're a musician, you know what I mean? You do though. You yeah. sort of, it's it just leaves this indelible mark on you, and you're like, man, it's good to be no, alive for sure. For mm. sure, there's, there's just an aura about it, about just knowing that it's been there, or it might have been there while you were there. It's just yeah, that that's a really it's a cool story as well. Mm. Um, hopefully, I can one day have some cool. Beatles stories or something like that oh, look, down the track. But. I'm, I'm sure you will, and I'm sure you'll do it through your music. I think that's the difference. You know, I've sort of, to be honest, man, I've given up trying to do my own stuff. I couldn't be bothered these days. Tried it for too long, and uh, I was in Velveteen down in Sydney. I'm from the Gold Coast, but I was, I was in Sydney and right. was in the band there. I, we did, you know, we did some stuff with Thirsty Merc and stuff, but nothing too oh, big. Nice, yeah. Nothing that I'd ever brag about, that's for sure. But, mate, you've got two really good releases here. I'm not just saying that. I like just about everything that I hear that Firestarter. They, I know they haven't had a hand in it. They're uh, they're uh, distributing everything, but it's just so true. Everything that I hear from Perth that comes out that I hear through Firestarter has been pretty good to excellent. Yours is on the excellent scale. You know, oh, I thanks for that. I I uh, really rate napping in nightclubs. I actually did a uh, micro review of it where I said, "Yeah, I've done a little bit of that in my oh, time." Oh yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Yeah. No, that was awesome. Yeah, so it's really cool track, man. It's one of those songs that I give everything a chance. Okay, I got to tell you, I listen to everything yeah. once. I get a lot of stuff sent to me, but I feel it's my duty to report um, what I like. And I generally, I just don't tweet out things that I about things that I don't like because you know that's generally the filter that I've got. 
But yep. na- napping in nightclubs, you know, it's got this great, cool summer breeze vibe, which is ironic given that. And I'm going to probably stuff up the name of the other cut that I've got, which is Hash 800080. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> well, it, the, the, I kind of did this to myself. The, the song's called Purple, but um, oh, we called it yeah. the color code of purple um, because I, I, I don't know, I guess I thought it was, I was being clever or something, but um, yeah, it was just when, before it got released, uh, I was just looking at the artwork and stuff and um, I can't remember where I got the idea from, but it, it just, yeah, I thought, well, what would be cool if the song's called Purple, but I name, I title it like the color code purple. Hmm. Now, I knew you'd probably confuse a lot of people. Um, it's just, I don't know, something that I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to roll with it and just see what happens. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, and, look, it's cool. It's a cool name. And yeah. it's a cool, and it means that whenever anybody asks you, you've got a cool story to share with it, even if it's, you know, <laughs> might not be talking about Paul McCartney's bass, but it's still a cool story, you know. And, and I think that's the thing yeah. is making songs memorable. And there's a number of ways you can do that. And one of the ways you do it is like you've done, you give it an interesting title to talk about. And But I think for people listening to the podcast episode, these both of these cuts here, what I really like about them, is that you've got acoustic drums, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can certainly hear real and acoustic drums on there. You've got real guitars, and it's no surprise to me that you are um, mentoring people on the guitar because one of the things that I really liked about, I think it was Napping in Nightclubs, you've got a really nice guitar lead through that one. Or there's occasionally yeah. comes in. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Oh, and, geez, yeah. and you've got proper singing. You've got real singing. There's not the auto-tune thing going all the way through it, which is bloody, you know, these days it's just so... Entrench and some of it works, but a lot of it doesn't. It's just to cover up the fact that people are shit singers. But in your case, you know, you've actually got there's a musicianship, is what I'm saying. But it's done. Uh, it's done in a way. It's done in. It's done in a way. Um, it's modern. It's urban. It isn't classic rock, and that's what I really appreciate about it. Because I don't want to listen to classic rock anymore. And I'm sure a lot of people who are even my age in their forties are in the same boat. You're giving people the elements of great songwriting great arranging but in a modern package that's my take on things but what do you have to say about it oh no that that's really kind of you say um no worries. yeah i guess that kind of that, that sums it up um i've always just i think first and foremost been a fan of um songs and just songwriting in general and then um and just based everything off that and then added I think then the next thing was kind of my guitar playing and like arrangements so those like especially Nappy and Nightclubs has a I think the bridge has a bit of a instrumental um rocky part um in it but I've always liked the idea of having like really musical parts within uh I guess a straightforward pop song um like bands, I guess, like Toto. Yeah, um, nice. Steve Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. They've, though, I guess, yeah, Prince and Toto in particular have, like, the, the songs at foremost, the real, it's good, straightforward pop songs. Yeah. Um, and heaps of them are massive hits. But then when you peel back the layers and you listen to it, they've got, like, real um, musicianship in them and yeah. just, each 
like the drums, guitar, the singing, the bass playing, everything just super tight and on point and um, really musical, which is, I guess, the idea of what is how I try to present the songs that are right and that we put together as a band is to have kind of all those elements into one. Um, but yeah, hopefully we're trying to, hopefully it's come, comes across. I'm glad that you're, you're liking that. So that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's cool music, man. You know, I'm really keen to hear what else you've got. So, so have you got an EP or an album in the mix coming up? Yeah. So we've got towards the end of this year, we've got, um, coming out. There's going to be another two songs off that EP. Yeah. Uh, um, we've got, so we're going to drop another single off it um, in the next couple months. And then what, when we drop the EP, there's going to be the final track. And I think these last two tracks, uh, I think they're probably the strongest ones we've got so far. I feel like every song that um, we record and release uh, is better than the last. Um, and okay. just, I think, yeah, they're just in like this as a song, as our songwriting kind of evolves and, um, yeah. And musicianship gets a bit tighter with the songs that I, I feel just getting stronger and stronger. So these last two songs are probably, yeah, two of my favorites and especially to play them live there. I think they go down really well. So keen to yeah get these ones out there. So it sounds like it's a band, actually. I thought, because of how cohesive everything was, I thought it was you doing everything, but is that right? You've got a band around you that help you record everything? Yeah, so um, I think earlier, a lot of the earlier songs were pretty much all um, me playing it, and then um, I got uh, Isaac and Clinton um, uh, to come in, and we're, I guess it's it's kind of... We've, become essentially um, a bit of a band and we're all uh, do everything together pretty much. So uh, Clinton uh, records the bass and then uh, Isaac will put down the drums and then I'm pretty much doing everything else on the track. So mm-hmm. um, pretty much all the production, it's like 90% all us and then we'll go record vocals and then get it mixed yeah. elsewhere and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's kind of um, morphed into a bit of a band, especially when we play live. Hmm. Um, it's definitely a cool band, band vibe that we've got going on, and yeah, it's uh, good fun. It sounds it. It is good fun music, and that's the other thing I liked about it. It was upbeat. It still tells the story, but it's upbeat. It's not some of this depressing shit for depressing sake stuff that I'm, I'm hearing, uh, unfortunately, a lot of with a lot of rock-based stuff and, and, and even some synth stuff I'm hearing that gets a bit like that. So be it. I guess everybody's got their own taste with things. But I think in order to get on radio, and let's face it, you want to be on radio, terrestrial radio is still a massive draw. Um, it's still the easiest way outside of going viral on the internet for the right reasons for you to get your music broadcast to as many people as possible. So these songs have got real radio potential. So I really hope bloody Triple J as notorious as they are for not supporting Australian artists who have guitars in their music these days. They just don't do it, and they're idiots for not doing so, in my view. But have, they, have, you, had, have you had airplay at least on Home and Hosed or something like that there? Um, no, we haven't been... Unfortunately, I haven't been played on Triple J yet or on Earth, but hopefully... It doesn't surprise me, the, mate, I, to be honest. But I feel like... <laughs> don't take it the wrong way, even. It's just they're um, they do things. 
Yeah, I, I, I can, I kind of see where they're coming from though. Like the um, napping nightclub, especially, probably not suited to what they're going for. But then again, it's hard to say. Like they could, they can push kind of anything, and it can, they can make it popular. But um, I think the next few tracks, this is the last one off his EP. Hmm. Um, I think is probably the best song for Triple J. Um, it's the most kind of straightforward, um, like indie rock pop type song without hmm. any kind of fancy stuff and a catchy chorus. So I think you know the, we we have a chance, but I, I, hopefully it's not a be all end all, and um, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And if Triple J want to play us, then that's cool. If they don't, that's cool as well. We'll do our own thing and. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully we get some I mean, international radio plays and stuff like that, and hopefully to go overseas, um, especially to Europe soon, and try to do some stuff over there, which yeah. would be cool. Yeah, well, actually, I've had this conversation with many artists, Australian artists, particularly from Perth, but yeah, I get the Europe thing, but that's also hard, but I, I, that's also because it can be difficult, but where I see the great opportunity for Australian artists, particularly yourself, is in Asia. Okay, so China, right down. Yeah, that is true. Massive opportunity there, mate. So has there been um, talk if you're going to Japan, Philippines, Indo, those sort of places? Um, no, not particularly. I think that's something we should actually look at. Um, I know one of my guitar students, he's from China, and he said, oh, I should go to China because his brother's um, uh, he's a musician and he's got some connections over there. So I said, yeah, I'll... I probably should. That'd be a good uh, idea. Hmm. And if I can get like uh, an in with some people there, that'd be cool. But, so yeah, maybe that um, could be on the horizon. Going to countries in Asia instead of heading to Europe. But yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plans out, and um, we'll see how the next kind of six, twelve months kind of goes. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, hopefully plan some international stuff soon. Hmm. Hey, just just talking about um, the engineer that you worked with, uh, I believe it was Sam Swain who's done some stuff with Casey yeah. Chambers. So not an obvious choice, to be honest, but was he just the closest guy around you guys that knew what he was doing? Was that the reason for selecting Sam, or is there another story? No, so Sam, um, we, or not actually, I met Sam oh, probably like four or five years ago now um, when he was an assistant engineer on... Um, another track I was doing with one of my old bands. Um, and I guess we, we just kind of stayed in touch from there, um, from those few days I was in the studio. And I was seeing a bunch of stuff like he was putting up on um, his Facebook and who's recording with him. Like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. Like, he's doing some good stuff and he his mixes and his production sounds really good. So um, I just got in touch with him. It was probably about a year ago now and we just started chat and seeing how things were uh, going and I said would you be interested in maybe recording some songs with us and stuff like that and so I sent him a couple of demos and um, he was really digging it even though it was I think it was pretty different to what like the stuff that he had um, previously been recording and the bands I think he was doing um, throughout last year I think he's especially a lot of a couple of Triple J bands like that type of yeah. Um, vibe, I guess he was really into. So, um, we were definitely a different style for him, but he was um, fully on board to come record some stuff. So, 
yeah, just contacted him and got talking and went, yeah, pretty much got into it straight away because he, I think he went overseas for a bit. Um, and then as soon as he got back, we got into it in the new year and we've done three songs with him now. I'm about to go do a fourth. Cool. Um, final one off the EP. So yeah, uh, I think we all love working with Sam. He's, he's a, um, yeah, really cool guy and just, we have a laugh in the studio and then he, I think he brings the best out of me, especially in, um, vote with my vocals and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's fair enough. Look, I spent some time in the studio and the last thing you need is an engineer or, or even a producer in there making it a tense environment. I've never been in that position myself. Um, but it does happen. People clash. There are personality clashes. Sometimes when producers start trying to write things on behalf of an artist or suggest changes but forcefully, it can happen, especially if it's an engineer who really shouldn't yeah. have a say in that sort of stuff. But it's cool to hear, man, that you found somebody who sounds like as though they get what you're trying to achieve and either contributes or gets out of your way. Yeah, for sure. I think I've had a couple of those experiences where um, you go in and then the outcome that you get is something kind of completely different. Um, and, yeah, it, it made me realise those like experiences to kind of just stay true to what I like the sound I've got in my head and what um, I want to record and put out so mm. and yeah Sam definitely kind of gets that and um, put puts in um, his part but uh, doesn't or try to change the sound or whatever whatever we've got he'll try to get the best out of the mix or best out of each part or whatnot so hmm. yeah it's, it's really cool cool yeah what about okay so you've got this ep coming out or prospectively yep. coming out or no doubt it'll come out this year and then no doubt you'll follow that up with um some promo and then potentially even an album but here's the question for you do you think music has career prospects for you um well, i hope so because i guess this is kind of what I'm just going to do really. Um, I'd like to think it does have a um, prospect. Uh, I guess it's kind of really all I want to do. So mm. I'm just going to try to make it happen really. Um, I'm in my final uh, semester at uni. So once that kind of is out of the way, I've kind of got a free reign and a bit more time to go um, headfirst into the music and hopefully get some more interstate shows happening to begin with to follow the EP launch and stuff like that. What are you studying at uni? I'm studying commerce, so it's kind of not really related. No, but, but it's smart. It's a smart move, mate, and I'll tell you why, because you're going to have that to fall back onto, and no doubt your parents have said that to you too somewhere along the line, but it is, I'm back yeah. at uni, mate, and I'm in my 40s. I'm studying journalism. Um oh. And look, the thing about getting a tertiary education is it opens doors for you, okay? And those doors after you finish and you've got one semester to go, so you'll do it, they'll always be there for you. So you can basically park it and then come back to it in your late 20s or 30s. Yeah, that's for sure. I think that's the initial reason why I um, started. I went to uni to do something like that just because a lot of people, even friends in the music industry, that were saying, like, it's well, it's not a bad idea to go do... Um, get a degree in something that's not related to music. Mm-hmm. And I guess straight out of year 12, 
high school years, it's a bit daunting. You're not really sure what to do. And um, so, yeah, I just kind of went with it. And uh, uni is what it is, but it's I'm glad that it's only like six weeks, six, seven weeks to go. So mm. kind of I'm kind of stressed. Yeah, you are indeed. Yeah. yeah, you are indeed. Now, mate, with your music, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to have a conversation with you, and if they want to purchase your music, how can they do that? So you can check us out on pretty much all streaming services, all social media um, at Forward Dante, uh, or spelt I V Dante, D A I V D A N T E. Um, yeah, on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, YouTube, I think I've got them all, something like that. And yeah, have a listen. The songs, chuck me a message on Instagram or whatever. I'm happy to have a chat. Um, and let me know if you like the song. If you don't, let me know. Either way, <laughs> I think they cool. will. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm open to feedback and um, hopefully, yeah, we'll see everyone at an upcoming show. It's very humble of you, mate, but you know, you're an excellent musician. I can hear that, and you're a bloody oh, good songwriter. You know, I mean, that's oh, the thing about your music. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't say these things unless I mean them. And uh, yourself and Matt Camerano over there in Perth, mate, I'd love to see a collab- collaboration eventually between you two. Oh, cool. We're actually in um, from Melbourne. But... Oh, you're from Melbourne, eh? Sorry, I yeah. thought you from Perth. God. No, that's all right. Because, yeah, the fire started through the stuff from um, Perth, but no, that's, that's right. all right. Yeah, my bad. Sorry, I, I, I didn't. Actually... didn't... No, that's all right. I've actually never been to Perth, but I want to. Would love to. Go play I said about two or three Perth. things about Perth. And you're like, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, great. No worries. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that, but I just kind of slipped <laughs> over my head. But um, well, no, that's all good. Yeah. Melbourne's the music capital of Australia. Let's face it. You know, I mean, there's, there's oh, a lot. supposedly. Oh, look, I think you know. I mean, Melbourne's changing. We know that, but like the the situation with the music thing, I think is on any night of the week in Melbourne, you can go and see a band. And you can't say that about any other. Brisbane, you can kind of say it. Sydney, you definitely cannot say that, which is crazy given it's, you know, the epicentre of every where everybody thinks Australia is outside of Australia. Um, yeah. But, no, with Melbourne, it's a fertile it's a fertile ground, I think. But you are, there's a lot of competition out there. I get that too for, you know, you might end up playing some Monday and Tuesday night sets, but, you know, you just use them as learning experiences. Really, yeah, that's very true. The last thing you want to do is be thrown into the deep end in front of eighty people with gear that you're not familiar with and players you've never, you've only just met sort of two weeks beforehand on a Saturday night at an important gig where it's a payday for you. That's the last thing you want to. But I've been there, believe me, and you don't ever want to do that. Um, yeah, if you start out, you know, through some of those, I don't know, I couldn't even name a gig. Whenever I go to Melbourne, I always make a point of going to that rock and roll, you know, that in ACDC lane. What's it called? Cherry Bar, is it? Oh, Cherry Bar, that, yeah, that's actually a really good venue to play. We played there um, only once, but, yeah, that was a cool um, gig. I think we played there on Wednesday night, um, which is super random, but there's actually a really good turnout there for it there on is. Wednesday night. So, yeah. and I've had plenty of big nights in Cherry Bar, too. I used to work for Telstra, and we used to go down there, and I used to bring customers into there. <laughs> and, oh, nice. and we'd have a few beers and play pool and... Uh, it was always a pretty good time, mate. But that's what I like, Melbourne. It is a cultural centre, if you like, because we, uh, you know, we like football, yeah, and sure. f- football and fishing up here. It's pretty much what it's about. I know there's yeah. the valley and yeah. stuff, but Melbourne, you really feel it. Yeah, you really feel the weather as well. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's terrible. Like Sunday was Sunday morning was like not a cloud in the sky, it was sunny, and then the Arvo like one o'clock. 
it just started pouring down with rain and you just think what happened yeah, hell's going on yeah. yeah no you can definitely have the weather i'll take our queensland weather any day mate you might get too hot <laughs> yeah. through summer but our winters are we don't have winters as you know we just yeah i know that's you know. uh it's so it, it's been getting real cold here recently so yeah it does yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, it's been a fantastic chat. What I'll do from here is, um, look, I'll just link you in on Facebook and, and Instagram. Oh, sorry, and Twitter and stuff. I'll just, you know, uh, at, you know, Ivy Dante or whatever. You, I know that's not your handle. And I think you go by your name, don't yeah. you? Dante Peluso. On and, Twitter, yeah. 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 Um, on Twitter, I do, yeah. But put it, put it this way, I'll make it really obvious that I've posted it, mate. And I just put it up unedited, to be honest with you, because people love long-form conversations. So, yeah, for sure. No, I definitely am a big fan of podcasts. So, um, sweet. We yeah. know all about it then. It can be confronting for people if they're not used to it because there's no formal introduction or conclusion. But, mate, as far as I'm concerned, you'd rather just hear two people having a conversation about something like what the worthy subject matter of your music in this case, you know. Um, I think I hear too many podcasts where there's a lot of bullshit that go on with them and people don't. They tune out. You know, putting all this music on there that isn't related to the subject matter and like elevated music, they put that in for like 30 seconds before there's an intro and it's like, what are you doing? Um, but, you know, to each their own, I suppose. Whatever. Yeah, Whatever. true. But um, no, it was good fun. Thanks for the chat. It was, it was really cool. No, thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Keep on making the uh, the music you're doing, man. I'm a fan. Big fan. Sure. Keep on doing it. Yeah. And yeah, well, hopefully we'll see you uh, in Perth. Oh no, we're up in, in now I'm getting up in um, yeah in Brisbane. Um, when we come up and play some shows, it will get you to come I'll be down. Looking and, out for it. Yeah, I've, I'm like you on yeah. Facebook and on Twitter, as you know. So, um, mate, I'll be looking out for it. Fingers crossed. Perfect. All right, thanks for that again. Thanks, brother. No worries. Talk to you soon. Ciao. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening. To the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject there was an outstanding young musician from Melbourne, his name, Dante Peluso. Thanks so much for listening.